the Saturday show. Can't wait. Can't, 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 can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. I don't think this is the moment for that. I'll have plenty of opportunities to reminisce about my football career, none of which I really care to do right now because I'm so much in the moment. I'm not going to be thinking about 20 years of history. I'm going to be thinking about one night of football, a Sunday night game coming off a really tough loss. A 1-0. There's a swing and a high fly ball. Out to straightaway center field. Wade back at the track. Gets to the wall. It's out of here. It's gone. Great stuff. Fly ball, right field, Myers going back to the wall, it is gone! Seager with a two-run shot, and the Dodgers lead it 11-9. Now the snap, Josh looks to his left, still looking, has time, rolls to his right, and he fires a short one, caught by Zach Moss, heads into the end zone, touchdown Buffalo! Zach Moss, touchdown Buffalo, he got behind the outside linebacker Holcomb, and Josh found him for the touchdown. Herbert to throw toward the end zone. Mike Williams caught. Touchdown, Chargers. Fist pump from Keenan Allen. Four yards. Herbert to Mike Williams for the second time today, and the Bolts go up six. I thought what what happened for us in the bubble was that because of the situation, we just were around each other a lot. Um, It wasn't just a dinner. It's, we're going to have a two-hour dinner and everybody's going to spend time together. It's all, you know, the little moments that you just don't get. You know, you want to either get home to your family. Um, but there's so many different things that, that are important to you. Um, so that's why we wanted to keep it shorter.
Welcome into the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope y'all are doing fantastic out there wherever you might be on this Saturday afternoon. I'm Jay Catch, joined as always by my fearless co-host, Alex Lundberg. Lundy, what is up? You know, uh, got another Saturday ahead of us. This time, we don't have any local teams to look forward to, uh, which is... <laughs> kind of a rare deal, yeah. Yeah, strange, but it, it you know, I mean... Well, let me clarify. No local teams at the FBS level. Yes, correct. Let's be clear yes. about that. I, um, I don't want to get a, a text from a certain somebody I know who listens to this show who is a fan of an FCS team that would be happy to tell me I was wrong. So. Yeah, no, yeah. There are some, you know, yeah, the F- FCS teams are in action, and we have great FCS teams in this state. Correct. Specifically Weber State. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just a little bit strange, you know, the kind of the, the big ones that we usually talk about. You know, two of them played last night. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that a good amount. And the other one's on a bye week. Um, but there's still a lot of football going on, and it's it's been a week. <laughs> it has been a week. There's no doubt about that. Eric behind the glass back with us. Eric, it's been like, what, a month since you've been with us. Isn't that right? Yeah, I've been a little busy with uh, Utah State and such. Mm-hmm. So Good to have you it's back. It's been a little bit back and forth. But, yeah, it's good to be back. Good to have you back. So, hope you all are doing great out there. We got plenty to cover ahead on today's show. As Alex mentioned, we do need to talk about BYU and Utah State, that game last night. We'll keep you updated on games of importance around college football throughout the afternoon. And also, Utah Jazz are supposed to have media availability at some point. If it happens to be during the two hours we're on air, we'll carry that live as well. So, we have plenty to cover. All right, Lundy. So, let's start off with this. How has your weekend been to this point? Uh, it's been a roller coaster, if I'm being honest. Okay. Well, uh, I think many of us here at the station would agree with that. Uh, if I'm breaking news to you folks, so be it. Uh, we are going to be joining the KSL sports team over under uh, Bonneville International. It's uh, going to be very, very interesting because I'm excited. Uh, we're going to have Utah Jazz broadcast on KSL, uh, 102.7 and 1160 AM, alongside 97.5 FM and 1280 AM. So we are going to have an absolute blowtorch of a signal to put Utah Jazz uh, games out there. But we're joining up with a really, really strong team already over there at KSL Sports. And should be uh, some interesting and fun times ahead. I am excited. Uh, obviously... There are many things still to be figured out because we were all kind of blindsided by all of this news that came down on, what was that? Thursday? Thursday, yeah, Thursday, I think. Yeah, anyways, been a crazy few days, no doubt about that. But I, let me just express to everybody out there, confident for the future, excited for the future, and this new partnership with KSL Sports should expand our reach and actually allow us to do more than we already were doing. And let's be honest, we were still doing a lot to yeah. begin with. Well, really a lot. Like, I don't I don't know that most people know quite how much goes on behind the scenes here. There's there's a lot of moving parts and it's going to get even bigger. And, you know, yeah, it's it's going to get crazy. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. So we are going to have plenty to talk about in that vein and anything that uh, comes, obviously, we'll hear about it. I'm sure obviously is the news of importance here locally. But let me just express that. Uh, based on the conversations I've had with folks so far, it's still very much in a interim phase because there's still a lot of transition to take place. But I am very excited to be part of the KSL sports team. It should be a really, really fun partnership. Uh, and it should, like I said, it's just going to expand our reach, allow us to do things that we've dreamed of doing, 
but hadn't executed to this point. So that's the good news. And they may say, hey, we bought you for the jazz. We all know the real reason they bought this station. Not the Saturday it's show. It's the Saturday show. <laughs> it's the Saturday show. We are the money makers. We yes. are the big dogs. Money makers. Yeah, money makers. We'll go Rolling with, in it. Yeah, we'll go. Cash. This is the first I'm hearing of that. Lots of it. <laughs> Pouring out of our pockets. Hey, Eric, when you find that cash, will you, you know, just slip some my way? That's yeah, uh, seriously, that's, that's like all I'm holding out on us, man. All right. Anyways, so I uh, just wanted to get that uh, tidbit of news out there, and obviously, uh, we will have more, no doubt about that, moving forward. But now, let's get, actually get to the sports part of this show, and let's talk about BYU and Utah State. Uh, it is what's the big deal as we kick off this show every Saturday. Eric, you got something cued for us? Fire away. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> oh, that open will never get old. Never. Anchorman is legendary for so many different things. That part of it right there. It works in so many different ways, though. Gosh, I, I can't count the hours I've spent watching and quoting that movie since, you know, from the time that I was 14 until now. People know me. I feel like that's a rite of passage for all 14-year-olds. You know, watch that movie and quote it with your friends. I mean, that's what uh-huh. we had before we had internet memes. Yeah, you quoted movies with your buddies. Yeah, specifically <laughs> Anchorman. Yeah. <laughs> Way back in the... Before times, I guess we'll call it, <laughs> for some of our l- younger listeners out there, they're probably thinking, you guys didn't have memes? You guys didn't have social media? No. It's a relatively recent phenomenon. Yeah, Twitter didn't exist, thankfully, when I was in junior high and high school. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that would have been really bad for a young Jay Catch. But uh, anyways, big game last night. BYU and Utah State squaring off in the battle for the wagon wheel, and BYU moves to 5 and 0 via a 34 to 20 victory over the Aggies. Lundy, what I guess what are your initial takeaways from this win for the Cougars? First of all, I love that there is an in-state game that has a trophy. Sure. Like this is one of those tro- you know, that's that's one of my favorite things about college football. It's a very heavy and big trophy, but it's yes. a trophy nonetheless. It is yeah. Like I just I don't I love those kinds of games though, you know, like there's you know the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know there's the there's just a bunch of different kinds of things going on. You know with there's what is it the broken chair? Um, there's little brown jug. There's some legendary mm-hmm. ones out there. There was also the civil conflict. The civil tro- conflict trophy that has literally disappeared off the face of the earth allegedly. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you know there's I, I've heard tell heard some rumblings and rumors about a platypus trophy for Oregon Oregon State. Well, Kate. Okay. Obviously, they had what was called the Civil War, and this mm-hmm. one, I, have they renamed it officially? Have we seen it? I haven't seen anything official, but I'll I know that they that. have discontinued calling it that. But they they've seriously considered having a platypus trophy to celebrate, which that is one. brilliant. Absolutely, I love that idea. So I love that there's some the, there's a piece of that here uh-huh. that we get that yeah. you know it's a wagon wheel, which is perfect. Yep. You know, given this state's history and everything. It's been around since 1948. It's awarded annually, well, when they play, and it's not always annually, but right. it's awarded to the winning team in that game. Yeah, and so I, I just love that that's one of the things. So that, you know, just first off, that already makes it a great game. My other main takeaway, takeaway is Tyler Algier. 
<laughs> is an absolute man of a man. He is just that game last night. You know, I felt like, and you know, I was I was in here working the bees broadcast, so I didn't have my eyes fixed on the screen the entire time. I haven't been able to go back and watch it. And yet. let's be clear, all three of us here, we're working on very short sleep today, most yeah. for the most part. <laughs> I had BYU post-game duties. I know Eric was doing Utah State broadcast. You were on the Bees. Which went to extra innings. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, like I, it felt like every time I looked up at the screen, because mm-hmm. I, I was trying to follow as yeah. much as I possibly could, and every time I looked up, it was Tyler Algier running in the open field <laughs> every single time. And I was just like, how does this keep happening? He's got to have 500 yards already. It's not a bad assessment of how this game went because <laughs> Tyler Algier in this game, 22 carries, a career-high 218 yards, three touchdowns. By the way, the first hat trick of touchdowns for a BYU running back uh, since 2018 against Arizona. Uh, Squally Canada had three touchdowns. His long on the night was a 67-yard jaunt that uh, pretty much put this game out of reach because two plays later, BYU put, put a touchdown on the board that put them up final tally 34-20. to 20. His average, his average on the night, guys, on those 22 carries, 218 yards, his average per carry, 9.9 yards per carry. He oh, was, is that all? Yeah, oh, that's all. <laughs> yes, that's that's all. Now, the impressive thing is, as a team, BYU in this game rushed a total of 36 times for 221 yards. So, 218 of those yards belonged <laughs> to one man, Tyler Algier. Man, yeah, it was just... Yeah, and I had friends texting me that were watching it, and I, you know, right before that 67-yard run that he had, that was, mm-hmm. you know, reviewed, and then actually was down at like the half-yard line. They thought he had scored originally. Correct. Yeah, they, uh, you know, that was right after Utah State had closed it to within seven. And correct. You know, I had people texting me saying, "Oh, here they come! They've got the momentum and everything." And I remember looking. I think it was what, what was it? Nine minutes left in the fourth quarter at that point. Yeah. And I looked at that and was like, you know what? Based on what I've seen so far, if I'm Aaron Roderick, I'm not calling a single play that's not a handoff to Tyler Algier because, you know, if they don't get in the end zone, they can just grind out the clock. You know, I mean, just because they're they're not going to stop him. Yep. But- he's he's going to get first downs when they need them. And, you know, he can chew clock. And then obviously, you know, he just broke one wide open. And they didn't need to chew clock because he got all the way down. But. It was just one of those things where it's like, this is the easiest play call ever. Just, you know, feed the beast. Okay, and the reason why Tyler Algier uh, was given the ball so much, not only because he was just so dominant, but they did lose Baylor Romney in this game. Mm -hmm. Towards the end of the first half, he took a hit on a pass, and his helmet smacked the turf, and I mean smacked it. And there was initial concern. I, I had people text me immediately. Dude, they got to check him for a concussion. Aaron Taylor on the CBS Sports Network thing said they might want to check him for a concussion. As he, so he finished the half. There's only a few plays left in, that, in the half. As he walks off the field, trainers surround him, and they walked him to a different, I guess, part of the locker room. And then comes out Jacob Conover played the entire second half for BYU. So BYU was down to their third-string quarterback. And to have a running back as dominant as Tyler Algier – Absolutely, Lundy. Yes, Aaron Roderick's like, hey, number 25, you're carrying us to the finish line. Let's go. And that's exactly what he did. I also think that one of the other things that makes Algiers' performance so impressive, um, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but James Empey was out, right? 
That offensive line had James Empey out, also Harris Lachance, their starting right tackle, was also out. They inserted two true freshmen into that game to play at both the center and the right tackle positions. And let me be clear, the true freshman moniker, it's a little different. Connor Pay, who played center, actually was the guy who played 90% of the center snaps in the Boca Raton Bowl last December and was very, very good in that game. He stepped in. He had one high snap on the very first snap of the game and didn't have an issue, it seemed like, the rest of the night. Campbell Barrington, the younger brother of Clark Barrington, who's been the longtime left guard, stepped in at right tackle, did a pretty good job. That offensive line and the wide receivers and the tight ends for BYU, they're the reason why Tyler Algier was running free in the mm-hmm. open field all night long. They were opening monster holes. Yeah, like, I mean, anytime a running back has a great performance, you can almost every, like, it's hard to judge that and just say, wow, this guy did this all by himself because generally he he hasn't, right? You know, running backs don't have several hundred yard mm-hmm. performances without a great O-line. And the fact that BYU's O-line was able to provide that for him without two of their starting O-linemen. Maybe their best offensive linemen. Right, yeah. James Empey sitting out was a huge one. You know, like, as soon as I saw that news, I actually thought this game might be a lot closer than I initially thought. Well, and I think most people thought that, honestly. And the fact that backups could come in and you couldn't really tell a difference is a, a massive endorsement of what BYU's got going on because, you know, you've got a back like Tyler Algier, and he's going to he's going to make an impact he's regardless. Gonna get, he's going to get his. There's yeah. no doubt about that. But he's not going to go for 200 yards just by himself. Yeah. You know, you, you put him behind an O-line that struggles – and it, sure, he'll get his hundred, but he's not doubling that. You know, I mean, we we've seen in years past, you know, struggling O lines. You can still have some effective running backs, but you know, Joe Williams at Utah, for example, his three hundred yard game against UCLA. <laughs> yeah. If I'm a high school coach, I'm using that game film not only to coach my running backs, but to coach my O line and say, look, this is exactly how you do this. This is textbook. Do all of this, yeah. Like, the way that, you know, I mean, just from every scheme, whether it was, you know, there were times in that game, and, I, you know, I wish that I could speak more intelligently about the game last night on this front, but, you know, I just haven't gone no, back and rewatched okay. it yet. But, you know, for example, with that UCLA game, you know, when they're, they're pulling both the left guard and the left tackle and just, you know, mixing up and just doing crazy blocking schemes and opening, opening holes that, you know, a slow, out-of-shape guy like me, I could have gotten 100 yards in that game. Okay, so, Eric, I know you worked on the Utah State broadcast, so let's, let's flip the script a little bit and talk about Utah State here. So we talked about how dominant BYU was in their ground game. Now we need to talk about how dominant BYU was in stopping Utah State's ground game. Let me give you the stats real quick, and Eric, you can weigh in on this. As a team, so BYU had 36 carries, 221 yards. That came out to a healthy average of 6.1 yards per carry as a team for the BYU Cougars. Utah State, 35 carries, 31 yards. They averaged 0.9 yards per carry. And that that number has actually gone up. They adjusted the stats overnight because last night when I was doing the postgame show, it was 35 carries for 22 yards, Lundy. It was a 0.6 yard per carry average. BYU absolutely shut down Utah State's rushing attack. Eric, I know you're working with Scotty and Kevin on the Utah State side of things. What was your thought on how the Aggies did? Yeah, with especially with the running game. It, it I just want to stress, it is not like this Utah State team can't run the football. They averaged 200 because, yards coming in a game. Because even against Boise State, one of the most stacked defensive lines within mm-hmm. the Mountain West Conference – 
they they averaged about five yards a carry when when they played them, even though that game was a blowout. They actually moved the ball super well. They just couldn't finish in the red zone. But I, I really do think, and you, you'll hear it, we'll play Blake Anderson's comments later today on the show, but I really do think that's where this Utah State team, especially against bigger competition, is always going to struggle, is up front and in the trenches. Because you can coach quarterbacks, which Blake Anderson has done a tremendous job of. Mm-hmm. You can coach up wide receivers. I think their wide receiving core might be the best in the Mountain West. They have some real weapons on there between Devin Tompkins and Derek Wright. Justin McGriff, all these guys, Brandon Bowling, the list goes on and they on. Got a lot really. of talent. There's no um, But they have a really hard time sometimes protecting the passer. And Logan Bonner, in the post game, we learned we we don't have exact details yet. But Blake Anderson said that he basically hyperextended his knee. Well, so, it was evident he hyperextended it. The concern is ligament damage to mm, that hyperextension. We don't know anything about yeah. that yet. I, I don't want to report anything sure. that's not been reported yeah. yet. But that did not look good. Yeah. And uh, Andrew Peasley's a good quarterback, but he is not what Logan Bonner is as a pure passer. And when Logan Bonner was healthy this year, he looked absolutely tremendous as a quarterback. But yeah. the thing about Utah State, too— is they've just so far surpassed any expectation that anyone would have had of them. If we were sitting here in August and I said they're three and two after the first five games, I don't really think any of us would have said that. Maybe we could have seen like two and three, but the fact that they got that Washington State win and the fact that they went to Air Force and took care of business there, it's very impressive. And their their schedule after this is hilariously easy. I mean, <laughs> UNLV, Colorado State, both have been really terrible this year in the Mountain West. Hawaii, also very bad. New Mexico State, they really don't face a challenge until the two-game stretch between at San Jose State in uh, mid-November, and then a week later, they play at home versus Wyoming, who's looked very good Correct. early on in Mountain West play. This team, within the next three weeks, could easily get bowl eligible. And they could easily finish the season with seven or eight wins. It's really I, I, not that far out of the question. And I, I would agree with you on that point. The, the the thing about this, and this is the stunning thing to me, is Calvin Tyler came into this game. He's been really, really good for Utah State so far this year. 400, I think, 61 yards coming into last night's game. He was not 100%. It was very evident early on in this game that he was beat up. He finished the game 12 carries, 3 yards. BYU just absolutely slammed the door shut on Utah's rushing attack, and they forced Utah State to throw the ball a lot. And yes, I do wish the absolute best for Logan Bonner. He was kind of stumbling. He put his he planted his cleat in the ground, and his knee just hyperextended, mm. and he was he went down in a whole heap of pain. It was such a non-contact an, injury. No, it was such an okay. awkward play because he was rolling out and kind of jumped as he passed, and as he landed, and Peyton Wilgar kind of bumped him just mm, a little bit. Okay. But, but it, it it wasn't it, malicious or it's anything. It's technically it would be technically probably classified as a non-contact. He was stumbling and then he plants, tried to ke- collect himself. That knee hyperextends. I'm like, it was just it was one of those plays you never want to see. So yeah, here's hoping that it's nothing super serious. But he was in a whole heap of pain and he actually was testing BYU secondary all night long. He they were gunning the ball downfield. They were hell bent on making sure that BYU secondary was going to hold up. He finished the game speaking of Logan Bonner with 276 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. 
And he is, the, I think, a big reason why Utah State was even in this game to any large degree. He had the long carry on the night on a 10-yard scramble. He put up those almost 300 yards of off uh, passing. He kept Utah State alive in this contest. So I, I have a question for both of you. And okay. I, I texted this to you last night. Mm-hmm. When, when is the AP and, and the people who vote on this and the college football playoff committee, when are they going to just drop this charade and just admit that BYU is a top 10 team in the nation? Because it's very clear to me that they are. Well, you might see that as soon as uh, tomorrow when the newest polls come out. It, depends, it all kind of depends on what happens today. Well, and it, 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 that would also partially require AP voters to stay up and watch BYU, which, <laughs> you know, like when you have 8 o'clock kickoffs, most of them aren't watching. They're just looking at the result in the paper the next morning. Correct. So, yeah. I mean, you know, fair or not. Well, that's dumb. Yeah. They shouldn't do that. Fair or not. That's bad journalism by them. Well, I mean, fair or not, that's what happens. I mean, if that weren't the case, Christian McCaffrey would have a Heisman Trophy. True story. That's that's really the only explanation as to why he didn't win it, mm-hmm. um, because people didn't stay up and watch the, these late West Coast games. And Christian McCaffrey, he broke a record, you know, the all-purpose record that stood for, you know, it was highly revered, just seen as something that was so unattainable. He shatters that record, and nobody takes notice. Why? Because the Pac-12 kicks off at. 8, 9 p.m. Well, there are two and a half people, me being the half person in this studio right now, that I know stay up and watch the game. So maybe maybe AP should come calling. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if they give me a vote, I will happily take it, but they'll probably revoke that vote pretty quickly. They have one in market. I think currently it's still Josh Furlong over at KSL, if I'm not mistaken. I, I believe so. I believe he's and Josh still, does a good job. I he think. does a yeah. Uh, Tony Parks for a time did it as well. So mm-hmm. I, there's been a few different people who've done it. I think PK actually did it for a time even way back when. So yeah. it, so, it kind of migrates around. Yeah, we like it's not to say that there aren't voters. I mean, BYU's ranked 13th because, you know, there are voters that do pay attention. Yes. And there are voters that watch. And, you know, so we'll see what happens there. Correct. And if we're being honest, the AP vote's not really the one that matters in the long run. There's one on November 2nd coming up that's yeah. the one that you really care about. That's the one that you want to really, uh, yeah, That when that vote comes out, that's the one. I mean, at that point, the AP vote basically, when you watch these broadcasts, those numbers, right now they're based off the AP vote. We've got, you know, Georgia-Arkansas pulled up in here, and Arkansas has an 8 next to him, Georgia has a 2 once that CFP poll is released, those numbers will be based purely off of that. That AP vote becomes irrelevant at that point. Yep, yep. So, obviously, we'll have more on this throughout today's show. Coming up next, though, we'll talk a little Utah Jazz. Training camp is underway. They're doing their open practice. Uh, it's on Zoom if you want to tune into that. And if uh, once it wraps up, we'll have post-practice uh, thoughts from Quinn Snyder and his players as well, hoping to have that during the show. But we'll have that all covered for you as well. And then later on, Obviously, we get the sake, technical fouls, the staples here on the Saturday show. So that's all coming up right here on the Zone Sports Network. Stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store. We've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. 
I've traveled every road in this here land. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I've traveled, I've had my share, Welcome back man. to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Yak and Lundy along for the ride here on the Saturday afternoon, 12 to 2 every Saturday. Hope you guys will join us each week, no matter what you're doing on a Saturday afternoon, whether you're out and, as the, as the intro says, at the hardware store or just shopping or just hanging out, plain and simple. Love to have you guys. And uh, obviously, we know that LDS General Conference is going on, but I can tell you this much, it's 12 o'clock. It means you're in between sessions, so tune in. Let's go. Yeah, there's no <laughs> excuse for you to be, I mean, you know. I, I think that we're more entertaining than, like, the World Report or whatever it is that airs between <laughs> there, so. You've watched a lot of General Conference, haven't you? I mean, you know. 30-some-odd years I worth, know. so. You and me both. Anyway, so hope everybody's doing great. Can't and relate. And Eric's over there like, <laughs> what in the world are you guys talking about? Eric. What's we'll, the world report? We'll, we'll, we'll fill you in at some point. We'll get you, we'll get you filled in. We'll send a couple guys to your house that'll kind of fill you in on As, as I tell PK, I've got two friends that'd like to visit you. <laughs> Absolutely. Send them my way. Bring a bathing suit. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Anyways, hope you guys are doing great out there. No doubt about that. All right. Um. Let's go update some scores real quick. A uh, big top 10 matchup that was uh, kicked off at 10 a.m. local time here was number eight, Arkansas, and number two, Georgia. Well, let's just put it this way. The Georgia Bulldogs are establishing themselves as firmly <laughs> number two in the nation. Yeah. They have shut out uh, Arkansas so far, 27 to nothing. Let me remind you guys, this Arkansas Razorback team has been a pretty impressive squad through this season. But Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs, they have not allowed Arkansas to do anything anything in this game it's been complete domination I mean you know yeah Arkansas like you said has been very impressive and uh well not so much anymore right now like just based off what we're seeing it seems like in college football right now we have a very clear chasm between one and two Alabama and Georgia Mm -hmm. so far this season and then three and beyond are just light years behind those two it seems like obviously things could change we're still very much in the early part of the season we're not halfway through but very very crazy there uh lundy you you made a funny statement in the break wake forest is on upset alert yeah that's just words that you never expect to be said all you know i mean wake forest and upset just don't go together because they're well, they, never. They do go together when they, you know, upset another team. But they never do that either. Yeah, I mean, it's Wake Forest. It's a fair point. But you know, four and zero Wake Forest ranked twenty fourth, which is mm-hmm. weird. Um, against three and one Louisville, so yeah. ACC matchup here. Um, and third quarter is just starting. Wake Forest has a three point lead. Is all. It's twenty to seventeen. Louisville's ball. So we'll uh, we'll see how that one progresses. Um, I, you know, me personally, I'm rooting for chaos mm. because. That's just how I do. I'm always a fan of just chaos and anarchy reigning supreme during sporting events and things like that. So we'll uh, we'll see how that how that one goes. And then obviously Cincinnati and Notre Dame, another top ten matchup, uh, should be kicking off 
literally seconds from now if it hasn't kicked off already. I'm so really excited for that one. We'll keep you updated on all that throughout the afternoon, but we do need to take a minute here, Lenny, and talk a little bit about the Utah Jazz. And the intro music, I've Been Everywhere, Man, by Johnny Cash, is actually a very, very good job by Eric on that poll there because the Utah Jazz have been everywhere, it seems like, recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, they opened training camp with Media Day on Monday, and then they immediately hopped on a charter and flew to Las Vegas. Man. Living, you know, just high rolling. Viva. <laughs> Viva Las Vegas, no doubt about that. And, okay, and the thing about this is I think there were a lot of people out there who were like, well, what's going on with this? Well, let's be honest. It's kind of the new thing in the NBA. The, yeah. the Nets, uh, based in Brooklyn, in New York City, flew to San Diego. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, there, uh, DJ's been talking about this all week on DJ and PK that at one point I think he said that the Miami Heat went to the Bahamas or something like that when Dwayne Wade was there multiple times. We've seen the Lakers in the past go to Hawaii, which great idea, by the way, guys. Oh, yeah. uh, so I don't think it's really anything out of the ordinary. Here. No. And you know what? It could be something that the NBA is encouraging teams to do. I mean, we see something similar We'll get to this next hour when we get to Saki. But with the NHL, you know, a lot of these preseason games, these teams, even if they're the, you know, air quotes, home team, they're not playing in their normal arena, right? You know, they kind of do these tours. They go around and they play in other venues. We saw that here yeah, just, you know, a couple days ago with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and the Los Angeles Kings. Frozen Fury. Right. They were playing here. Uh, the Seattle Kraken have been playing a number of home games around the state of Washington, but not in their Seattle arena. They've been playing in kind of like arena is still under construction technically, but it's a cool that they're kind of going on a barnstorming. tour. Yeah. They're, they're going all over, you know, so like a lot of those minor league hockey arenas, they're playing there in front of those fans, which is Mm -hmm. a great grassroots campaign to say, look, we're here. We're in your state. Correct. This is professional hockey at the highest level. We're coming to you to make it easy and convenient and, you know, the fans can go and have a great time, and it'll make them want to tune in. All right, so talking about the Utah Jazz here, Lundy, obviously we learned that Rudy Gay is going to be out for the uh, preseason. He is still coming off offseason heel surgery. If I recall, it was a bone spur that was reportedly taken out. So he'll be slowed, obviously. But with the preseason opener, and that's so weird to say that we have a game Monday, by the yeah. way. Uh, by the way, folks, if you weren't paying attention, the Utah Jazz are going to be in Dallas, correct? Is it San Antonio? Um, I think it's San Antonio. I think, let me pull that up. I can't remember off the top. Hey, great radio <laughs> so, here, guys. Way to go. Yeah, we're so on top of our jobs right now. Uh, I know. So, we're but, so good at this. But regardless, the Utah Jazz. San Antonio. San Antonio. So they're yep. playing the Spurs. Uh, Dallas on Monday. Wednesday. Gotcha. Okay, so. Monday night, Utah Jazz at the San Antonio Spurs, 6.30 uh, tip-off time. And we're going to see this team in action for the first time. Now, obviously, you're going to see guys like Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, the mainstays. I would expect very light night in terms of what they actually do. But with a guy like Rudy Gay, who's an established veteran, not able to play in these games, we got to think a guy like Eric Pascal. A lot of people have been intrigued by him coming Mm -hmm. over from the Golden State Warriors. Well, this opens up opportunities for guys like that to go out and show these coaches how quickly they have grasped on to what Quinn Snyder and his coaching staff are teaching them. Yeah, I'm really excited to see Eric Pascal. I'm also excited to see, you know, potentially Jared Butler. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we're going to see Hassan Whiteside uh, get in there a good amount. You know, a lot of these new faces, they're going to be the ones that spend the most time on the floor because, you know, Quinn Snyder likes to use these kinds of games and these kinds of moments. You know, and he even mentioned it last year uh, when – 
everything was a lot more condensed and they didn't have as much practice time. When the Jazz were blowing teams out, he said that he liked to use those fourth quarter blowout minutes as practice. Yeah. And he would put in the guys that needed it and he would call the same plays over and over and over and over and over to get them the reps. And I think we're going to see a lot of that same kind of stuff with this preseason where, yeah, these these new faces are going to be put in. I mean, because these games ultimately don't really affect the Jazz long-term aspirations. Sure. So win or lose, Quinn Snyder probably doesn't care too much. He, he likely cares a lot more about, hey, let's get these guys on the floor and let's get this right. We need to get these plays right. And if you don't get it right, we're going to run it again. And we're going to run it again. Yeah. And we're going to run it again until you do get it right. Well, there's a lot of people out there who have lamented the fact that the Utah Jazz just don't have a lot of practice time in the season. But Quinn mm-hmm. Snyder, I, I really like his mentality on that, You what you talk about. those When there are, there's an opportunity, whether you're down big or you're up big, put those guys in there and say, okay, yes, remember we worked on this, guys? Guess what? We're going to run this in an actual game. Yeah. Let's do this thing. Well, and, you know, we hear it all the time from college coaches and stuff that, you know, like the, those in-game reps are – Drastic, you know, they're they're hugely important. They, Correct. There's just no way that you can compensate for that in practice. And so, if you're using actual game reps as your practice, that's it's the best of both worlds. Oh, and that's that's and that's the thing about it is you can't replicate game reps. We all know this in every sport. Like you, when it's in game, it's just it's not something that exists. So, I'm excited to see this new look Jazz team hit the hit the floor Monday night. I, trust me, I, I'm fully expecting 15, 17, whatever number of guys are on that roster. A lot of them are probably going to see some playing time in a game like this because they're very much going to ease the veterans. I'm speaking of Donovan Mitchell, Rudy, Joe Wingle, the, the, the top dogs. They'll play some, but they're going to be eased back into action. And it's crazy enough that we are kicking off the NBA season later this month, gentlemen. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, man. It, we made it to October. It's crazy. It, it, came, it came really fast. Uh, true story, by the way. Let me just interject this here. Uh, this is about a week ago. I, it was, I think it was a random Wednesday morning. I woke up, and obviously I do the morning show here. I produce it. I, I'm, I'm driving into work, and I'm sitting there thinking about I'm just driving. All of a sudden it hit, on, hit me. It's like, hold on. It's the end of September. Where in the world did this month go? But, Somebody wake up Green Day. <laughs> well, well played. But it, it just it was it kind of hit me because – when we get into football season, for me, it's go time. I, I'm covering a lot of different things. I'm jumping from thing to thing to thing. The month of September, in my mind, was just like a dream. It just flew by. And all of a sudden, it's October, and I'm like, oh, hey, Utah Jazz are on the way. Like, we're, we're, we're kicking off the NBA season, folks. <laughs> well done, Eric. Well done. No, it's just – it's crazy. But I'm also super excited to see this team – take the court once again because Mm -hmm. it was a really fun season last year i know bitter disappointment to go out the way they did and no doubt about that but that was a fun basketball team and the additions that they brought in i'm very very intrigued by yeah the jazz were i think the jazz made really smart decisions in this offseason to to really go out and say here's a need we're addressing that need um so yeah i'm excited to see how that all changes I do have a question for both of you. Okay. Um, how much of a superstitious sports fan are you? I'm a little stitious. You're a little stitious, Eric? <laughs> Depends on the sport. Okay. So, from kind of the superstition standpoint, because I'm a very superstitious sports fan. Okay. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Like, it, I, I recognize that it's extreme. 
P.S. By the way, my pull on the office quote should not be overlooked because I don't ever watch The Office. I just only know that quote really. Hey, so. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> and hand up. I don't watch it either. Con- like, I've never, yeah, so. Continue. Uh, but how much of an impact do you think that Mike Conley changing his jersey number from 10 to 11 will have on the season? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Eric hadn't even considered it until that very moment. <laughs> That's as real as it comes right there. I, geez, that's Could actually, change everything. <laughs> Right? Everything. 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 Who knows? Suddenly, Maybe he'll be an all NBA player. Suddenly his hamstring's no longer an issue. Well, okay, he's he is thirty five. <laughs> averages thirty five points per game. Oh, oh dang. Okay. If he goes out and averages thirty five points a game, wow. Okay. We well, retire be... the jersey number right yeah, exactly. now. Retire like, eleven forever. Done. Yeah. I I am in, intrigued by that. That's the number he wore in Memphis, obviously. When he came to Utah, he actually said, I think, it was, was it Dante Exum was still here when he came? I, I, yeah. And I was wearing the number 11. So. And Mike said, no big deal, I'll just switch to 10. He didn't think anything of it. And the funny thing, did you, did you hear his interview during media yeah, day? Yeah, he, he forgot that, like, you know. Until... He told Adam Klauke, the equipment guy, who, by the way, is, does a great job. Adam great Klauke, job. Uh, so he told Adam Klauke, I think he said before last season or some such, that he wanted to switch back to 11 whenever given that opportunity. He had to wait a year, I guess, to get it done. Mm-hmm. So he literally gets a picture from Adam Klauke of his new jerseys. What do you think? And he's like, well, why has it got 11 on it? And they're like, well, you requested that. And he's like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was just a really funny moment from he had completely day. forgotten that he had. And so, but yeah, he changed his Twitter handle to reflect that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Mike Conley ready to go. Yeah. So just crazy stuff. But I'm, I'm excited uh, to see the Utah Jazz in action. It's crazy to think that we have a preseason game Monday night. But at the same time, I am geeked. I'm ready to go. And it just makes my life all the more insane slash fun. Oh, yeah. Buckle up, because here we go. Yep, here we go. All right, thank you, Bowler. Anyways, coming up in a moment, we'll get to the technical fouls, round out the 12 o'clock hour. You're listening to The Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. Back to The Saturday Show here on the Zone Sports Network. Not our typical intro there, but, you know, technical difficulties pop up from time to time. We've all yeah. been there, and Eric is working on it, and trust me. Handling it like a pro. Yeah, we've all had this happen. <laughs> Anyways, so I uh, hope you all are doing great out there on this Saturday afternoon. Typically, we would have our intro for technical fouls here. So, Lundy, let's just dive on in. Where are we going on your technical foul or fouls this week? So, I'm going to kind of, you know, because mine's not really super sports related, I'm going to use sports to kind of segue into it. Okay. Um, but I want to start by, you know, pounding my chest and, you know, giving a Nice cheer and support, you know, a hoorah. Okay. My Cincinnati Bengals won on Thursday night football against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That they did. Um, head coached by Urban Meyer. This is not his first stint in the state of Florida. He used to be the head coach of the Florida Gators, as a lot of people know. And speaking of Florida and Gators. Oh, no. There was a story this past week. Does this involve a Florida man? It does involve Florida yes. man. Sweet. It, yes. So, Florida man took matters into his own hands when an alligator inched its way into his neighbor's front yard. So, what does this Florida man do? He grabs a garbage can and captures this gator inside of it. Huh? Yeah, like, you know, yeah. How big of a gator are we talking? I mean, it's not monstrous, but it's a, you know, it's a decent-sized gator. Um, Take your arm off type of a deal? Yeah, probably, you know, at least a hand. Oh, jeez. 
but he you puts know, it in a garbage can. So yeah, he he like pulls the lid back, uh-huh. he puts it down on, kind yeah. of scoops it up, gets it in, closes it, <laughs> and um, you know his his quote. He said, you know, somebody's got to step up and do something. We all got to look out for each other, right? I was frightened when I had it in because it was so powerful. I didn't expect that it was pushing out, whipping its tail around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he gets the gar- the alligator inside the garbage can, uh, and then he wheels it down to the embankment towards the retention pond, drops the can, pushes it over, alligator crawls back into the water. So this video goes viral. Okay. So where my technical foul comes in is the Fish and Wildlife Authorities have said to leave trapping to them. All right. Like, you know, Fish and Wildlife Authority, technical foul, like, just let people, like, I mean, I get it. I get why you're saying that, but like, let this man be a hero. For a little bit, you know, Florida man only gets the negative attention. I was gonna say this is actually a you know, Florida man doing something that you know, yeah, cool. Like, I mean, the little caption for the video on this website it says Florida man fights alligator with trash can. <laughs> like you can't tell me that that's not the coolest headline you've seen in at least a month. Yeah. So I mean, you know, like let this man have his glory in the sun for a minute, and then just be like, hey, by the way, like just if you're if you're at least gonna do like animal vigilantism, be safe about it. You know, I did not but. expect animal vigilantism to come up on today's <laughs> show. I'm not going to lie, but you make a good point there. Like, just this guy got the gator, got it taken care of, and yes, they probably the end of it should have been like, "Okay, moving forward now, let us handle it." But props to you, sir. Yeah. Also, I want to point out that this guy, he's wearing a shirt that says "Offense Defense" on it. Okay. And so, All right. like, I mean, he's just it. Oh, also, he's wearing socks with sandals. Yes, so. even better. Florida man, respect. Absolutely. All right. Mine is sports-related, at least one of them here. Um, So the St. Louis Cardinals went on that 17-game win streak, obviously, and they clinched the wild card. Very impressive streak, and I know it tore the heart out of you as a Cincinnati Reds fan, Lundy. Yeah. But a very interesting comment made by their longtime broadcaster, Mike Shannon. He's been the radio broadcaster since 1972. He's coming up on 50 years in the broadcast booth for the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, in the broadcast booth on Thursday's game, he made this quote. Quote, word on the street is that they're going to sell this franchise, speaking of the St. Louis Cardinals. We don't get a better duo, dot, dot, dot. I'll tell you that, dot, 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 the two DeWitts. And the DeWitt family owns the, owns the Cardinals. They bought the team back in the late 1990s. Well, his comment obviously resonated in St. Louis very clearly. Yeah. Uh, the DeWitts responded with this quote. Bill DeWitt Jr., who I think is the controlling owner of, he's the guy that kind of is out in front. He, he okay. handles all their stuff. Quote, there's been no thought in our family of selling. When I heard it and when I heard that statement was made, I just couldn't figure it. People speculate for whatever reason, but there's absolutely zero interest in our, my son and I, and the rest of the family in selling our interest, so there's nothing there, unquote. Well, um, interesting that your longtime radio broadcaster makes that comment, and then you have to fire back. I don't know. Maybe they're working something behind the scenes and did not want word to get out, but sounds like good times with the St. Louis front office. It's going to be a Fun conversation that somebody's having soon. Yeah, so one of those things. Man. Just, it, and that's kind of how things shake out sometimes with stuff like this is that uh, you make an offhand comment or something you heard and you trust somebody, you say something, and it's like, whoa, 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 hey, what? Yeah, where did that come from? It's like, who, me? Yeah, exactly. It's just, 
Oh, I love sports sometimes. Uh, <laughs> P.S. By the way, on the flip side of all of this, Lindy, obviously uh, technical fouls are usually rewarding people for their stupid behavior. Just the complete flip side of this. Uh, you're a golfer, right? To a uh, degree. I mean, calling me. Uh, I have played golf sure. on occasion. Okay. I don't know that I at any point in my life could ever be termed a golfer. Well, you have played golf. I right? have played golf. Yeah, okay. But I'm, I'm really, really bad at it. Okay, so obviously I've been playing golf my entire life. It's a sport I enjoy. I like going out and hitting that little white ball around a big patch of green and trying to get it into the hole in as few strokes as possible. The hole-in-one is like the most elusive thing in this sport. And uh, by the way, my father, congratulations to him, recently had his first hole-in-one his entire life. So, And my dad turns 59 on Monday. So happy birthday, Pops, early. We're going to be celebrating his birthday later today. Um, but most golfers obviously go their whole lives without making an ace. And there are people out there who make multiple aces in their life, that type of stuff. Like, my, like I said, my dad just got his first hole-in-one. My younger brother, who's on an LDS mission right now, was the only kid in the, our immediate family who had a hole-in-one. He did it when he was, like, 14, and I wanted to punch him. Because <laughs> I'm in my mid-30s. I've been playing this sport since I was six years old, and I still have – the closest I've come, I've come two inches away from getting one. That's the closest I have come. Well, um, Jake Martinez of Tucson, Arizona, recently made two holes in one. Now, let me clear this. In one round. What? Seven holes apart, and Jake will turn 12 years old on Saturday. What? This oh, today. He, excuse me. He turns 12 years old today. Is he playing mini golf? Is that what? No. Like, <laughs> this is legit golf. He had two holes in one at Mission Hills Golf Resort and Spa in Rancho Mirage, California, on September 18th, 2021. There's a photo here on this story by his father, Rick Martinez. So within a seven-hole span, this young man aced two different holes. That's <laughs> just like props to you, young man, but at the same time, I am just beside myself. Like part of me is wondering if like, you know, whoever was officially keeping score is the same person that, you know, does that when, you know, Kim Jong un goes golfing and Yeah. Hits every single shot as a hole in one. Oh, interesting. So this actually Kate, not to one up the whole story here. He was actually playing in a competitive round when he did this. No. Playing in the U.S. Kids Palm Springs Open on September 18th, Martinez aced the 100-yard fifth hole and then the 110-yard twelfth hole at the Mission Hills North Club in Rancho Mirage, California. Hit a pitching wedge both times. I'm just... <laughs> so not only does he just have, like, an unbelievable round, but it's like when, it's, when the competition is on, he's got ice water in his veins. Tur- turn the heat up. Let's go. I got this Man, thing, guys. That is just... Unbelievable. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, so apparently there was actually still one more par three hole for him on the fifteenth uh, after that. After after he'd gotten those two aces, uh, well, he uh, his dad was watching this round, obviously following him around. Right. The quote here: "I'm telling you, that one came off his club pretty good too. I wasn't going to say anything when it was in the air. Alas, there was no third hole in one, but Jake's ball didn't end up just ten feet away, and he made the birdie putt." Can you imagine being that good at anything in your life? Like, because I can't. Jeez. I'm not close to anything that is equivalent to two holes in one in the same round. Yeah. Like, okay, I've never shot under par in my entire life. This dude went 500 par on three consecutive par threes. I just the 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 whole nature of this story. Like, I love the kid because that's awesome, and apparently he is a prodigy at this sport. He's accomplished more at the age of 12 than I have in my entire life. <laughs> just stunning what am i even doing stunning 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 stuff i 
crazy. And I, I don't even know, like, how would you react, by the way? As, like, 12 years old, like, you watch it, hole in one, sweet, that's cool. And then seven holes later, you're like, let's do it again. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know how I would react, but I can I can tell you this much. It probably wouldn't be a healthy reaction. <laughs> I would be going around town just like, you know, hey, yeah, it's me. Uh, free lunch, right? Oh, well, yeah, you know, that's, that's the thing. Like, Treat me as the celebrity I am. My dad, like I said, my dad recently got his first hole-in-one. It's not even like two or three weeks ago he did it. And I, I trust me, I got a text immediately. Hey, your dad just aced it. And I'm just like, hey, congrats, dad. It's really, really cool. And like, I'm like, so what are you going to go to do to celebrate? He's like, Eh, probably go get a steak dinner or something like that. But he was, they were hooting and hollering with him, it sounded like. So, yeah, just it's one of those things that when it happens, it's just phenomenal. Plain and simple, it's absolutely phenomenal because it so rarely happens. And the pros, when they when it happens to them, they make it look routine because yeah. they've done it X number of times. You gotta act like you've been there before, so. I guess, or something. But yeah, no, I just, I. I can't even imagine, like, I've never come close to it, you know? Like, yeah. I, I feel really, really, really accomplished if I can make par on a single hole. Sweet. Right? Well. You know, like, that's the that's the level that I'm at. It, it, it's an accomplishment. Let's be real. Yeah. I mean, you know, and heck, if I even shoot, like, two over par, I'm like, okay, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm, Monday, I'm you're improving. Coming, you're coming to play in the Utah Social Open with me. You know this, right? You know, I... <sighs> Yes, you are. Just say yes. <laughs> so I've thought about doing every single version that they've – I always think it's like, man, that sounds fun. The only thing I regret is not being an OG 36. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, I really thought hard about doing it. But every single time it's been – you know, like I think back to previous experiences when I've gone golfing with people who actually golf. <laughs> okay. People who actually golf is a relative term in that. And I love the social open. I had a great I didn't play mm. in this most recent fall event. Obviously, I had work responsibilities. I played in the spring. Had the time of my life. Yeah. People of all skill levels were there. Great time was had by all. Let's just, let's just say this. And this wasn't my most recent round, obviously. You know, my, mo- mo- my most recent round was the best round of my life. Um, you know, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but I, it was it was a significant enough improvement for me to go, yeah, I've never golfed that well in my entire life. Previous to that, like, on a nine-hole par three, it's not unusual to see me hit somewhere in the 80s. Sweet. You're coming with me. I'm, so, we're doing this thing. Like, All right. It's it's that level Eric, of you're bad. invited, too. Love to have you out there. I'll you be know, there. Go hit that little white ball around and... See what we can do. When are we doing this? Eh, we'll figure it out. Utah okay. Social Open Spring? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe so. Actually, actually, we can probably create Summer? our own team. Probably create our own team next spring and play in that Utah Social Open. All right. Eric uh, informs me that we have officially resolved our issues with Zeta, our operating software. So always fun to deal with that, Eric. Thank you for handling the hard work behind MVP. the glass. MVP. MVP. All right, so we will take our time out here. We'll wrap up the 12 o'clock hour now, come back on the other side. We'll get back into some college football. You'll hear from Kalani Sitake as well as Blake Anderson, their post-game thoughts after the game when BYU beat Utah State last night 34-20. to That's all coming up next right here on the Saturday Show.